0: The F1 Pod on Off the Ball.
1: Is Fernando Amarchionazis retirement? Fernando never retire. Somebody may retire him eventually. Don't volunteer to retire. Formula One needs you. Listen to the F1 Pod on Off the Ball for free, wherever you get your podcasts. The Racing Pod on Off the Ball. And you are welcome to the brand new Racing Pod here on Off the Ball with John Duggan and Johnny Ward. We're delighted to be able to bring you this new show every Friday, which will include analysis, race previews, tips, stories, crack interviews, Leopardstown, Punchestown, Ferry House, Cheltenham and Entry. We're going to be all over it, folks. The first half of the pod each week will be free to air. The second part will be exclusively for members. So be sure to sign up by going to offtheball.com forward slash join. You will not want to miss out on all of the info. I'm mean, even wearing a hat today. It's all picky Blinders. It's all just... Uh, Johnny, I'm as excited as a two-year-old on a race course for the first time.
0: Love it, JD. Love it, Sid. You've tried the two Johnnies. Let's try John and Johnny now. That's it. JD and JW. And uh, you are putting a bit of pressure on, though, that there's going to be crack. like. But uh, well, let's, let's the, make the it the crack, crack will hopefully be organic, It'll Johnny. be organic. It, it'll be it, ad hoc. Won't force the flow. crack. Racing, there's never, never lack of something to talk about. And I have to say, like Cheltenham this weekend... Coming back and the cards that Navin have, Navin have made this kind of two-day little mini festival. And the the, the we'll talk about the Troytown and all that, but the cards and the good horse coming back, cold weather. I love this time of year. Having a hot whiskey at Navin Troytown Day was one of my great memories of getting into racing, and um, yeah, excited. It's their first
1: show, the first racing pod. Why do we love horse racing? What got you into loving this sport?
0: Uh, like it's strange when Bobby Joe would have been on beside me And he was brought to the school when I was uh, I suppose I was probably 16 or 17 at the time maybe And Bobby Joe was paraded after he won the Grand National At uh, the Carbery resort And uh, I remember saying to my She's no interest in this at all like, And no interest in racing And um, when I was in college in Dublin in DCU Studying journalism um, For want of a better word In studying and journalism um, I had a lot of time in my hands So I was in, living in Whitehall There was a little boil sports A um, little bookie shop Kind of, that, I mean, I'm not even sure if it were Boylesworth. It might have been a little independent. Kind of just as you're going out towards um the, I suppose, um DCU was to your left. And I was living in sort of Whitehall beside the Viscount pub. And there was a little betting shop there. And I just had a lot of time in my hands. So I went in, started to sort of get into racing. Ended up meeting some of my best friends in that betting shop. We all got involved in a horse together that ended up finishing second in the Troy Town. Both of them in a horse? Operation Houdini. You're trying to... Davy Fitzgerald in Nimerick. And right. It was it was one of these mad stories. You like that. He was the first horse who got involved in. I think he cost about fourteen grand. He was kind of a store horse, and we paid maybe two grand each. Must have had a few quid at the time. And uh, he ended up being took him an age to win. But he ended up being like first pass post Cork National, second in a Troytown to Notre Pair, no less. When Notre Pair was a handicapper, and uh, that's how I got into it from that betting shop and all the friends. The late John Walsh uh, was one of the first I met in that shop. One of my best friends who passed away subsequently. Um, and the crack that we had and I'll always remember Navin I'll always remember like ordering a bus for a bus load of us go to Navin and I think racing really needs that in the jumps game now it's, it's, it it's, does yeah it's, 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 we'll talk about the Town, but to, it's almost fanciful to think that you could have an Operation Houdini in the Troytown.
1: Town. Yeah, because in the flat of the moment, I'm involved in friendship with uh, Ricky Delaney out of Shamrock Thoroughbred. So am I, we, sadly we, enough. We, yeah. we, we go racing and just even to go, we went to Laytown, uh for the 150th year. We go to Goran Park. We get the train down to Limerick Junction, Junction for the Tipperary races. And just the crack, it's more so, the, it's not really about the punting as, as much as the crack of going to these race courses, 26 of them around Ireland. and just having a great day out, a bit of slagging. Bit of banter, pick one, you win, you win, you lose, and you just see all the, the. I suppose it's such a rural sport as well, the the culture of the sport and the uh, the purity and the authenticity of these days.
0: The race itself takes place over such a short bit of time, like and you, when you think when I, when we were <laughs> we were involved in the in the syndicate in those days, I think that was well before WhatsApp, so we didn't even have a WhatsApp group. But the texts and all the merry-go-round of information. And the fun of relaying what the trainer was saying or not saying to you, that was the crack. And you know, Giddy, getting the train with the lads, like, it's it's all about the build-up to the race, getting in two days beforehand uh, into the actual race itself. Then where is he or she drawn? Like, you know, who's going to ride? What's the ground like? What's the trainer saying? You get to the track. And I think it's something that is desperately, desperately needed in racing to get people racing now because... I've seen too much of it in recent times where you're going racing there's no crack there, there's no atmosphere. We need syndicates, we need people to be involved. We need things like the Shamrock Thoroughbreds, we need the syndicates, um, the Operation Houdini syndicate that we had. We need uh, people involved because if it's if you go racing and there's no crack there, the trainer's not turning up and it's just another industry meet, people won't, will fall out of love yeah. with it. And we hope that we on this show will be able to show
1: Absolutely. a good and, way of and it. And we've seen, for example, Punchestown have really up their game of the festival in recent years that have a... a band playing after racing you have like the big screen there uh, you've got really good facilities at the festivals I find can be, can be really good but it's the the day to day as you say but uh, the intrigue is I mean even around Christmas time when you're making calls on Christmas Day to somebody to make <laughs> the next couple of days that's when you're hooked then you have the bus my, myself was my dad uh, he was in the living room and he'd be doing this in the living room with the binoculars. Uh, you know, put to his eyes the imaginary binoculars and he was just obsessed about it. Uh, he actually used to holiday the guy races, my poor mother, but um, yeah, look, it, he got me into it. I love the art of steeplechasing. I'm into all this Buddavant and 17 1752 stuff. I'm into seeing a great steeplechaser jump a fence, seeing a horse that has a lot in hand, maybe two out of Chottenham, You hear the roar of the crowd, you just see the great days, the great Irish horses. And in 1986, uh, when I was seven, Don Run won the Gold Cup. And it was the front story on the news, RT News, that evening, because Ireland in the 80s was a country that was really, really struggling. It was really poor, it was a difficult place to live at times. And for an Irish story to be the, the front story and a racing story in the news, and then I remember when Don Run broke her neck that summer. It was a, like a it was a front page and a back page story, and it was a front news story on the on the TV. Um, and then we've had you can imagine what Don Run meant
0: to the hundreds of thousands of Irish people who were into racing, but also the thousands of people who were in England and living in England and what that meant as an Irish person when they had to immigrate because this country was going down the pan and what Dawn one meant when Irish winners at Cheltenham were fairly um, yeah. sporadic and what she meant not only to do the champion hurdle, Gold Cup double, but because she was a mare, because she was trained um, by an absolute genius of a man who epitomised what racing was um, and what, like that? I, she was way before my time but I feel like I know what that would have felt like for those people who had to leave their home and when she the mayor, is beginning to get up like what that meant to people when racing was a
1: really really working class game for most people Yeah and, and our success at the time in sport was not guaranteed you would Stephen Roach you would but we didn't have Italian 90 we didn't have the rugby team that it is now as a professional sport we just had Gaelic games so we had a bit of international success was rare and for Vincent O'Brien as he did to go over to Cheltenham and put Ireland on the map in terms of horse race. and Now we even see with Bally Doyle and with our success at Cheltenham where we have on a regular basis around 18 winners out of 28 races. It's, it's been a remarkable journey over the last 30 to 40 years. But as you say, we need to keep going. We can't rest on our laurels. And I think the experience of a race day is something we need to get out there in this pod to the public to go racing, to have the fun, um, it's not necessarily about betting that's a part of it but it's to enjoy the day and enjoy the crack you know so that's what I kind of want us to get across here just as much as we give information give advice give tips and give stories because I also remember even this year and it was difficult um, a time with Henry de Bromhead and he was so generous with his time speaking after Honey won that race at Cheltenham and then you're speaking to John Gleeson like a guy doing his leave insert this year riding a winner Brian Gleeson's son at Cheltenham or a trainer
0: who's having his first Cheltenham winner in his mid
1: 80s you know that's that's what the game is about. And it's about those stories, those um, human interest pieces, the characters, the people you meet. And hopefully we'll get a, a sense of that fabric now over the next six months to nine months uh, when we talk about the jump season. Just want to mention, Johnny, the start, all we can do is offer our best wishes to Graeme Lee and his family. So the 47-year-old Galway jockey has undergone spinal surgery this week after suffering a very serious injury after a fall at Newcastle last Friday He sustained an unstable cervical fracture, causing damage to the spinal cord as well as damage to blood vessels in the mid-cervical region. The extent of his long-term recovery remains uncertain. Over £100,000 has been raised by Just Giving Page, set up by his 18-year-old daughter Amy for the Injured Jockeys Fund. Graham has been riding on the flat since 2012. People may remember he rode Amberley House to win the Grand National at Aintree back in 2004. It's a reminder, Johnny, of how serious the game can be. And all we can do is just... um, think of Graham at the moment
0: it's not only that
1: Jiddy people
0: people think the flat is kind of grand but like you look at Freddie Taliki you know Fran Berry got out um, lucky probably after a fall on the all weather Freddie Taliki on the all weather as well um, you have you know the incident back in 2003 when you, you know the Sean Cleary passed away from a fall in Galway and the flat is extremely dangerous people don't realise that and Graham Lee was, he was coming out of the stalls and Graham's like, well into the veteran stage as a rider. As you mentioned, English Drever. Um, he was a national hunt jockey when I sort of got into racing. Um, but in terms of Galway sports people, he's right up there for what he's achieved. And, uh, you know, I, I was just shocked when I heard this. I really was shocked. And, um, you know, the, the GoFundMe page was set up. It's, it's one of the great things that can be done for people very quickly when when a small bit from a lot of people will make a big difference to Graham. And we're really wishing the best. But... Um, Never be in the betting shop imploring that the horse that you want to win, that the horse beside him falls or anything like that, because it's, it's just not worth, it's not worth it. Like, think about the consequences of jockeys falling, and when it happens on the flat like that,
1: um, it can be really, really bad, and I we just wish Graham the best. Absolutely well said, Johnny. OK, uh, let's just maybe go through one of the story uh, that we've seen in the last few days before we get into the jumps action this weekend. So Auguste Rodan is a horse that's won the Irish Derby, the Epsom Derby this season and the Breeders' Cup Turf, Aidan O'Brien's horse. Will stay in training as a four-year-old and it's won what seven out of the ten races. Uh, the breeding's been very interesting with this horse, had a deep impact. A Japanese stallion, rhododendron, a, a mare that came out of Galileo. So, it's an interesting one. Why do you think they're keeping this horse in uh training as a four year old? It's really interesting. And like this, this talk from potentially running
0: on the dirt to me is I don't know, is, is is that possible? Like, if if you look at the damn rhododendron, her her she won five races, she was very good, but her career actually tailed off a bit towards the end. Um, so you'd have that little proviso as to whether, because he's been very in and out this year, and when he's good, he's very good, like that ad. Um, and I don't think it's, I don't think it's necessarily a ground thing. For, I don't know what happened at Ascot. There was a, an apparent excuse at, at Newmarket, but you're kind of thinking, um, you know, excuses are excuses. But like, that's no good to me if you want to turn him into a stallion. But for Aiden O'Brien um, to, he, he's full of belief. He told me to back this horse for the for the um, after the Guineas. He told me just forget about that. Like basically back him at Epsom and he was going to improve the trip, that was fine. Came back and tripped in the Champions Stakes was all good. And then to go over to America and if he'd had an aversion to travel before, this seemed to be kind of out the window. A lot has been made of the ride, but you know, he is by deep impact out of and so he has an awful lot going for him. You know, Aiden says that I, I do, I do feel with the lads as they're called, like the lads of an average age of about seventy-eight at this stage. Like so, at this stage of their life, they're not going to bring their money to the grave. I imagine they do want to have a very good horse next year that can bring them to places like back to the Breeders' Cup, um, potentially to the Ark, you know, Champion Stakes, bring them to England, and also solidify the fact that he can be a stallion who will back up his form uh, into his four-year-old campaign. And it is great to see. Like we bemoan the the way the jumps racing is going but like you know a lot of three-year-olds are just gone and you you get in you get into like starting to light them and uh, it's not good for the flat game Um, but ultimately as a sire as much as he's going to be a very valuable sire if he did retire now there still will be a little bit of question mark about him and most three-year-old sires that go that win a derby or
1: whatever they do like most derby winners are Run of the middle stallions, basically, or if even that. You, like. you need two to three in a generation. You Saddler as well as mm. you Galileo, and that's enough, Monsieur. That's it. That's all you need, really. Yeah. Um, Rocky Gibraltar, as we know, wasn't a, well that great a stud. Frankel, though, was probably the supreme miler uh, and went on as a four year old and has been a good stallion. He's been. He's been a. I'd say he's been. He's going to be a great
0: stallion, Frankel. But there is Frank. A lot of the Frankel horses do have little quirks because you got to remember he was not straightforward. Whereas Deep Impact seems, apart from the two sort of blips in his career, as a, as a prospect and everything about him, um, it would seem that he's more straightforward and I think he's going to be a really interesting stallion. But there's probably a bit like, and you know, the the cold-blooded nature of how these men made all their money. Maybe you say this is nonsense, but it's probably
1: a bit at this stage of their life where they're actually enjoying having a good horse. I don't know how Ryan Moore or Frankie Dottori, these lads do it. I don't know if you saw the jockey cam that they put on Frankie Dottori when he rode at the Breeders' Cup on... In spiral, where he came from pretty much the back of the field to win on the line. How can a jockey judge in his head where the line is and judge the pace of a race? Obviously, it's practice makes perfect and you're doing every day five, six, seven times a day. You're going to get good at it. But I just, I can't get my head around how these lads are able to know where the line is and time their run to perfection. It's astonishing. And like William Buick in, what
0: was it, the following race? He's like, I was... I was thinking that it was a bit of a long delay here, you know. It's like I, I, I thought it was all pretty handy there, and you're talking like that race was like, what was it like maybe a short head? And you're going at like a speed, like say thirty five miles an hour, and and I was remember I was at the doctor in the week, and there was there was a race that was restricted to jockeys who hadn't win ridden that many winners this year. Two young jockeys, Oshin McSweeney and um, was it Scott McCullough, were in a photo finish, and. um they kind of looked across at each other and was like, "I'm not really sure about that." But as you get older, you seem to know. Like, and Frankie to time it. Frankie was certain pretty much all the way in that with Inspiral. He needed a little bit of an out. They, like the the track there is at Santa Anita is so tricky. Like if you get into jeopardy, Frankie, he's probably one of those days where it worked out for him. But he needed an out, and then you've you you know your, your horse has gotten first run on you. But he knows, and he's what fifty three. Yeah, you know, Frankie. Um. It's an astonishing story but it actually I, I i am genuinely amazed at that how they just know and you know from their body language 50 yards out that they know and you could see Paul Carby doing it at times in the most ridiculous manner one day at Fairy House he gets up in the bridle by a short head looking around like and it's a photo finish but they know it's a, its an amazing like the art of the top class jockey
1: is astonishing to watch I feel I wonder how he felt in the saddle when Hartyball didn't respond from up the hill at Chatham in 2005 because got there too soon yeah, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, it was never too soon when build. Yeah. I, I, I don't think, you know, it would never be too soon. But mm-hmm. it, it was an incredible view on the TV. OK, the jumps then this weekend, Johnny. Uh, Navin, we have on Saturday. Horses returning to action over the jumps. It's really exciting. Maybe we could just go through the Liz Mullen hurdle here first. Uh, favorite, um, Bob Ollinger's in this. Sire de Berlay, the Stairs hurdle winner. Home by the Lee, won the race last year. I find it hard to get enthused by it, though, because I think there's question marks over a lot of these horses. Yeah, although at the same time, like, this is a very
0: worthy renewal. Like, you look, at, you look at some of the races this time of year, and, I mean, smallish fields. A two-runner race at Town Roy last weekend for good money. But this is, like, six runners, and, like, Bob Ollinger was, was, was the great white hope not that long ago. He's second favourite. Home by the Lee is an extremely good stayer in his day. Sardar Burley, like, Sarder Burley, is one of the best stayers of, of this time. And then you've Zanahir who's going to be favourite. I've gone for Andy Dufresne here, and this Why? would be a get-out-of-jail is this um, something
1: to the Shawshank Redemption lover?
0: Yeah, I mean, hope is a wonderful thing, JD. A river uh, well, maybe of dung, of Johnny, things.
1: to get to Navin tomorrow. The, uh, yeah,
0: the, you know, and I've I've been through that river myself many times. Uh, maybe not at 25 to one shots, but like, there is a case to be made, JD. He, they they went back, hurt with him the last day, cheap pieces on for the first time. Um, I'm looking at the, what was the distance at the line behind Zan here. This is over 2-2 two, two at Punchestown. Now, he was beaten two and three-quarter lengths, but he actually stayed on well. He was Mark Walsh kind of gave him a ride as if to see, like, where's this horse at? He was, like, the outsider of the tree. Um, but he wasn't beaten that far. And this, Andy Friend's a very good horse. One of his best forms was over course and distance. Santa here is, is fair enough just at the prices he's 13 to 8 there wasn't that much between him and if Andy Dufresne can get back to his best I think he can outrun his odds I can't have Bob Ollinger for a month of Sundays he's a horse that I've given up on to be honest home by the Lee um, I thought he ran an extraordinary race at Cheltenham last year because he made an awful mistake I thought he was going to be pulled up ends up not being beaten that far but then um, subsequently was his last run was obviously at danger completely bombed out so I wonder just, I wonder would he need the run and he also gives a lot of weight to the rest of them
1: I'm just hearing in my head Morgan Freeman yeah. talking about your win on Andy Dufresne when you tipped it on the racing pod here. The first edition of, like, you just, just hear making the phone call. Morgan would probably do that. Like, you know, he's making f- yeah. phone call to California. Yeah. At uh, the 43 chase on Saturday. I found this a more interesting race. Dietzard Dynamo is a headbanger of a horse. I say that in a very unaffectionate way. Uh, <laughs> if you'd only really settle. Captain Guinness has been a great servant, won the race last year. to tell, I can't have her because she fell at Cheltenham on it. I didn't like to see that fall. I think she's getting her confidence back. Satra was a hold of horse for me. Maybe art Dynamo getting what nine pounds off Captain Guinness might be enough to win it. I was
0: like one of these races where want to oppose him, want to oppose her, yeah. want to oppose him, want to oppose him, and then I was—I actually don't know. I don't know what to think of the race because, as you say, Dysart Dynamo, um, he's he's always vulnerable to something closing, and a track like this, like you, you have to go to Navin, like the. When Navin is testing, and like we're recording this Friday, maybe like it's a nice day. I think the rain is gonna come, but Navin testing is extremely testing. For that horse to, you know, last it out. Um it's the the, the bare two miles, things will have to go his way. And obviously Riviera de Tell could take him on a bit as well. Um San Ross, you say, is is a hold up horse. I think he's fairly exposed at this stage, whereas Dyser Dino is entirely exposed. Captain Guinness is rock solid, really, yeah. really rock solid. Um, no issue with this place at all. You know, um, Henry's horse is going well. When he won the race last year, he was a four to one chance and he beat Riviera to Tell, who was odds on at that, at
1: that yeah, stage. Yeah, also ran well at the spring festivals. Yeah. I think he's had a bit of a renewal in his game, Captain Guinness, so maybe he's the most solid.
0: But, but he's he's kind of the most solid, but like he's rated 160, which kind of entitles him to maybe to win the race. But like he's eight going on nine. He's thoroughly exposed. So you're looking for some... I, I, I do feel the market in this race is going to tell plenty because like once you... Riverdale has run this season, none of the rest of them has and they will have bigger targets ahead and uh, I, I find this race, I couldn't back dice or time at the price but I'm, I'm I'm not that happy to say I don't know what, I don't know what's going to win it to be honest.
1: Beginners chase, Fasal Vega again in the pocket and San uh this race of the weekend at Navin. I think Fasal Vega had in the pockets measure at Cheltenham but I don't think Fasal Vega has been as good since he ran as a bumper horse and that would make me just watch this race and not even have an interest in it.
0: Yeah, some good horses have won this, uh, the likes of Kitten Rock, Annabelle, Fly, Gilgamboa, Hollow Games. And, um, you know, w- Willie's kind of a bit uh, slow to come out this time of year. I mean, we'll talk about the Troytown, where a horse, where one trainer has completely dominated the race. And he's not even the, the biggest trainer in Ireland. Um, but Willie has brought the big ones out here. If you look at Fasile Vega and In The Pockets, when they when they clash in the Supreme, you're like, well, OK, Fasile Vega is probably going to beat him here but like just at the projected price JD 813114 like I'm 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 happy to go within the pocket there I thought Pascal Vega I thought his limitations looked a, a little bit manifested Cheltenham in the pockets trained by Henry de Bromhead he's a very good horse himself as he showed at entry. there might not be that much between them and at the
1: prices I'm happy to back him maybe even each way uh, the shower of chase on Sunday at Cheltenham uh, we're talking about John Bond Edward Stone Nube Negra Banbridge Editor de Guiche, Dancing on My Own John Bond uh, Nikki Henderson says he's had him better mentally than ever only defeats in his career have come to Constitution Hill and El Fabiolo Um, Edward Stone flopped in the champion chase. Uh, New Negra looks uh, less progressive than John Bonn. I like the attitude of Banbridge, course and distance winner. He's a front runner. I think uh, if the ground's on the better side, he can bowl along. So I think it's between John Bonn and Banbridge for me in this one. Um... John Bon and who? Sorry, Banbridge Joseph O'Brien's horse.
0: I think you you're missing the decks here, J D. Because we've only done, we're down to four, aren't we? Are we down to four Yeah. yeah. So it's it's is Editor the Geese, Edward Stone, John Bon, and Nubinegra. Okay, so right. Negra, so then you're going to just say John Bon wins. So they've
1: taken Banbridge out. Yeah, so John Bon wins. I
0: actually think Banbridge would have been an angle. Um, John Bon should win, but like he's he's rated a pound inferior to Edward Stone. He's he's coming off his um, he's obviously the young horse going the race. I one to two. I'm not overly bothered about him. Nubinegra actually won the race the last two years, but He's gone on ten. I think he yeah. is probably regressing. And Edward Stone, for me, I, he is what he is. But like I've, I've never thought he's been really top class. I want to watch this race. I'm not going to have a bet in it.
1: Yeah, Willie Mullins has got the favourite. Only a matter of time for the Great Wood Handicap Hurdle at Cheltenham on Sunday. Which is interesting, evokes, um, Father Ted, actually, it's only a
0: matter of time. But this race. What a fascinating angle now, JD. Bookmakers these days, they'll give you a bit of help. Like, if you're having a bet in this, you're really reliant on the 16 runners in the old days taking their chance because you want your... 16 runner handicaps are really good for punters and particularly if you have a short price favourite. Um, it's only a matter of time. I was at Cork when this horse ran the last day, ran out as a 3-1 to favourite, running off 105 in a sort of a run-of-the-mill race. And... Um, I think the rider was quite confident Shen Shane Callan that he would have won but if you and they, they'd drawn his that day I think drawn for is brilliant I'm looking at him I was like no, I don't think he would have won but he was kind of keeping on but that race was one, um, a race at Cork which was kind of a, as I say now he's a, a similar price in a in a really good handicap so for all of that, given his connections and Paul Bourne and all that, I'm going to have a saver on him, but it's Lucia that I like. Oh, I think Diggie Henderson's horse, yeah. Second the last time out. When she ran at Cheltenham behind you where well, she was 6-4. to four. She was 7-2 to two behind in the pocket, ran a very good race. I think the last day at Weatherby, Um, just looking at her, so the way she travelled, I think she probably needed to run a bit. They've always thought the world of her. For a horse by the Gurkha, she's actually a very good bumper horse. She's only 5-12 to 1, give or take, each way. Um, I was trying to think earlier, should have looked this up, but... Mares that actually won the Greatwood, past winners in the race. Um, not many in recent years anyway, but that wouldn't put me off yeah. at all.
1: I'm going to have a saver on, on yeah. Willie's horse, just at the price. If you're going to have a, a punt, folks, do it responsibly. Euro each way will do. There the we Paddy go. Paragol Cup on Saturday at Cheltenham. Um, 14 horses going to post for this. Uh, we have the Real Whacker, stage star, both won at Cheltenham last March. Fugitive, not long till May. Final orders, Gavin Cromwell. Uh, Black Jerry, Angels Breath, Il Rodotto, easy as that. Who'd you like in this one?
0: Uh, I, I'm a firm believer in class horses in races like this. Giving weight away wouldn't bother me in the slightest. And one of my ten to follow horses, the Real Whacker. He's a total, total outlier. Back in the day, trained in was in Limerick
1: by yeah, Patrick Neville, Patrick then moved ne- over to I England. Met, I
0: actually met Paddy in. I think it was in Limerick after some after Cheltenham. I think it was between Cheltenham and Aintree because he was thinking the horse might go to Aintree or punch down, but he didn't anyway. But um, he beat Jerry Kalam. and I, I had my I had a good bet on Jerry Kalam at Cheltenham. It was like probably my biggest loss of the week, and uh, I didn't really feel I was hard done by. Um, so Jerry Kilam then goes to Down Royal, taking on proper proper three mile chasers, and is sent off four to seven or whatever it is. So clearly they think Jerry Kalam is very good. I didn't think the real whacker was particularly lucky to beat him. Dropping back to two and a half might be a little bit of an issue, but much further than three and a half. Um, th- this is a complete outlier horse, Judy. You can't buy these store horses anymore because they're already gone point to point and to make money. That's my big problem. The four horses that ran it down Royal in the big race, they were all basically bought out the point to point field for massive money that nobody can get. Paddy took a chance to this horse, a store horse, then he couldn't sell him because of COVID. And here we
1: have. And I think off, what, he's 162. He's going to be pretty fit. Okay. So the real whacker for you. Uh, Stage star, I think, or you'd look at the class angle, I think this is a target for him. Maybe the real whacker's target is the Gold Cup, but stage star, uh, course and distance winner, good traveller and jumper. Um, so I think he's right there. Stage start. The other one that I, I did like as easy as that, Venetia Williams Handicaps, 10 stone yeah, 7. Good form as uh, well. Good wins at Haydock and Newcastle last season. Uh, so easy as that maybe, but, and also a bit of support for the market. But stage star for me against the real whacker for you, Johnny. So the Troy Town Chase on Sunday at Navan. 15 of the 22 horses trained by Gordon Elliott. All he can do is live by the rules. It's nothing that he's doing wrong, but the rules can't be right. Surely is. Can you not put a limit on how many horses can be in the one yard? Or is it more just reflective of the lack of competitiveness in the game at certain levels?
0: This race, just this race optically, I mean, it was shared around WhatsApp this week, the, the the entries. It's probably gotten worse at declaration stage in terms of domination. I want to put in the caveat here. If I were Gordon Elliott, absolutely, that's fine. But if you have like Jiggins Town and Gordon Elliott buying the exact same type of horse, basically a three mile chaser, most of them aren't going to be grade one horse. They're going to end up in, in handicaps. Um you know, the 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 Munster National at Limerick for me, where Gordon had two-thirds of the field, I thought that was utterly forgettable. Like, I had really no interest in the race. Jevray won it, who runs here, and that's grand. And Ricky Doyle won it. Well done to Connections. There was no buzz at Limerick at all for that race. And unfortunately for this, it's just... I, I do wonder if if HRI will look into restricting the amount of runners a trainer can have in a race. And as I say, Gordon and Willie, they're absolutely entitled to do it. I don't like the look of this at all. I think it's... I I, I It turns me off the race as much as... Jiegenstown are so honest the way their horses are running I know whatever I back in this race he or she is going to be giving yeah. it everything that's not what this race should be about it should be about um, different trainers different syndicates different people involved and um, it's a horrible look and it all goes back to these point-to-pointers being um, sold for big money and out of the hands of people like the Okay what do you like? Um, I'll go with Largie right? Well we're there both we in go. agreement Darrow O'Keefe, I spoke to him after, I think Dara's a great kid, great rider. I can't believe I'm tipping this horse when win a triton, but in fairness to him, Dara said the day in Limerick, they went way too slow. I, I had to hold him up. I had to ride him to get home. He goes, he wants this trip, but he wants to gallop. If they don't go a gallop in this race with 22 runners, I give up. So debut,
1: we both agree. Two pounds higher. Ten stone two, ten, six pounds.
0: Ten, ten five. Yeah, but he's likely raised as a three-mile chaser. He's a lot of ability. I didn't think there was any sense
1: of him, Limerick him not putting it in. He's a terrible win record, but, but each, each way, and you'll get your each way place. beat Crush as a horse in yeah. the younger days, six pounds better off with Jevry for that two and a quarter length defeat in the Munster National. I uh, get about ten to one. So we both go for a large debut in the Navin Troytown Chase on Sunday, Johnny. Make mine a double J, uh, non-alcoholic. Uh, so a double. So I'm gonna go for Largy debut at ten to one, two thirty at Navin on Sunday. And you've won at Cheltenham tomorrow. Yeah, so Saturday. We're
0: gonna to try to marry our sort of double Js into the fact that they might run the same day, but in this case you can get your prices because the Tritown is priced up. So um I'm very, very sweet in this horse. I have to say I did back him um I did back him the last day. Read to
1: return in the one ten.
0: Yeah, in the re I backed him at um Killarney the last day. It was a rare day of Killarney race for me. Um his main rival Bombed, so he didn't actually achieve that much. But he's coming in here with a featherweight. They bought him for a lot of money. I think he's definitely better than what he's shown. Love the way he travelled. Um, he was sent off eleven to eight. Yeah. Um, jockey's very limited in experience now for a race like this.
1: But all told, love him each way. Okay. Reach return, Cheltenham one ten on Saturday, and Large debut. That's
0: going to pay about to, fifty to one.
1: Well, we'll do it each way double. Each way yeah. double. Uh, those those two horses, Reach Return and argue debut. This is the, the problem pod. is JD if this wins. On your head, be it. You know what? People will expect it every week. Well, you know. There we go. That's that's beginner's luck. This is The Racing Pod on Off the Ball. If you're listening to the free version of the podcast, we'll be leaving you here. But if you're looking for more, including Johnny's 10 to follow and my 10 to follow for the jump season ahead, go to offtheball.com forward slash join to subscribe and get the full podcast every Friday with all of our racing tips, insights, and stories from the week's action. The Racing Pod on Off the Ball.